Hey, everyone. I'm going to actually try to fix my microphone just a second here as we kick it off with another episode of the Spanish Announce Table. Again, I'm rolling solo. Uh, it is Tom for people who are just tuning in or checking us out for the first time. I'm typically joined by my co-host, Tim, uh, but it's his birthday week, so uh, he's relaxing. Uh, spending time with his family. So uh, if you see him or if you know him on social media, first off, go wish him a happy birthday. And second off, say, hey, you coming back next week because we'll see. Uh, but like I said, it's me. It is me tonight. Uh, We're going to be talking about AEW Dynamite. Uh, get to your tweet the tables. Uh, if anyone wants to uh, join in on the live chat, we'll also get to that as well. Um, but yeah, let's talk about it. Tonight was AEW Dynamite. I'm really having a lot of fun doing these instant reactions because then it, it kind of gives my real organic thoughts and I can't get influenced by kind of what I'm seeing from other people. So I hope you guys like that. I kind of enjoy it a little bit more because it feels more authentic instead of someone saying like, oh, but didn't you know that the detail from CM Punk and Hangman doing the stare down goes back to Ring of Honor? Like, okay, but like, I didn't know that in real time. And I feel like you know, we try to give you a different perspective here at Spanish Announce Table, kind of like what I always describe this podcast is, you know, you walk into a bar, you walk into, you know, some type of uh, a drinking establishment, whatever it may be, and you pull up, uh, you know, a stool at, at, at the bar, and it's just me and Tim, or now in this case, just me talking about pro wrestling with you. So uh, that's what I kind of want to get out of tonight's episode. Um how oh Theo already in the chat, Theo75. First off, thank you so much for uh you know taking your time to to write me here. Uh we'll get right to it because I kind of want to encourage more people to do it. But it says, How did USCIS let TMAC in the US? I don't know what that acronym is because I'm not smart. However, I think what you're saying is when I left the country, how did they let me back in? Don't worry about it. How about that? I got my ways. And you can get your ways of supporting us by going to SpanishAnnounceStable.net. You can donate a dollar if you like this episode. You can donate a dollar to keep the lights on because that's always uh, well received by us. Uh, and you can also check out past episodes. You can check out our YouTube page if you're listening to the podcast and you're wondering what this live chat is on YouTube. You can also find the links there on our website. Uh, Tim's doing a lot of great work there, so definitely give it a shout out uh, and check it out uh, whenever you get a moment. Uh, but yeah, so Theo, thank you so much. I don't know how they let me in, but I know they let me in because I'm here. Look at it. Look here. It's a studio, right? Got the Eddie Kingston, got Hangman Adam Page. I love those two, right? Two signed photos from two of my favorite wrestlers going right now. So uh, let's talk about it. Uh, so AEW Dynamite kicks off with the Owen Hart foundation tournament semi-fight it's a long way of saying for the owen hart tournament it was a match between samoa joe and the joker who was the joker going to be here's the thing that i think is awesome about AEW, but sometimes you know you shoot yourself in the foot because the bar is so high there's a lot of names out there right now you know, you got EC3, you got uh, Braun Strowman, you got Bray Wyatt, uh, you got a number of other, you know, 
free agent wrestlers. He even got wrestlers over in New Japan that obviously can come over for you know one night deals. And so the the, the options almost get you too excited of who the Joker is going to be. And in this case, I think it fell a little short. Now, I didn't hate the match, but it was Samoa Joe versus the Joker. The Joker turned out to be you know, Johnny, lots of names, right? The man of a thousand names, Johnny elite. In this case, you might know him from WWE as John Morrison, uh, but he's taking on Samoa Joe. I will say this was one of the rare times for AEW where it felt like I was watching a WWE match in AEW, you know, cause in the past we've done, you know, Dean Ambrose versus Daniel Bryan, but in AEW, it was Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. But to me, the difference between Dean Ambrose and John Moxley is night and day. And the difference between Daniel Bryan and Brian Danielson is that intensity that makes Brian Danielson almost a polar opposite of what he was in WWE. So when I see Moxley versus Danielson, it doesn't feel like I'm watching a WWE match. It feels like I'm watching, you know, two guys who are 100% invested into their character and into the story that they're telling this match though. And again, because it was kind of thrown together because of the mystery opponent, there was no backstory. There was no uh, kind of, you know, intrigue going into this. It felt like Samoa Joe versus John Morrison and that's okay. They put on a good match. It was fine. It was fun. Um, But again, it didn't hit the mark. I think that they were trying for, or at least in my opinion, um, but it wasn't bad. And that's, that's, that's one of the things that's the greatest compliment. I think I can give a promotion is honestly, the amount of bad moments, purposely bad moments, AEW's had, I can count on one hand. You know, I don't count the, the misfires, you know, the, uh, the explosion from when Eddie Kingston saved John Moxley, like that's not their fault. You know, obviously they would have got a take two. They would have done that differently. So I don't count that as like a dud. That wasn't purposely what they were doing, you know, in other promotions, mainly WWE, they're making decisions that are actively bad in my opinion. And so that's what I count against them. It's like, no, you made the decision to do X. I don't like X. Therefore I'm not going to watch your television show the next week, right? If you're trying things and I like it and maybe a firework doesn't go off or something like that, timing isn't a hundred percent accurate, but the story is pretty cool. I'll forgive you. But that's a long way of saying, I think they missed the mark, but the right person won. Samoa Joe gets the victory. So he advances. That was the right thing to do. I think if John Morrison or Johnny elite in this case would have won, that would have felt more of a rushed push. And I don't think Johnny Elite is in that class of others who have debuted and won that debut match and then moved on to bigger and better things. So Samoa Joe winning was the right thing to do here. Now, post-match, Sanjay Dutt, Jay Lethal, uh, Satnam Singh came came down, and they're beating up people. And uh, they're beating people up, right? They're beating up Samoa Joe. And they they hit him with a pipe, okay? Uh, And then uh, the best friends come down. And they're like, ah, you get out of here. Best friends are great. Best friends, at one time, they had their moment in the sun where I thought they were the best tag team in AEW. 
Remember when they were doing the street fight with Santana and Ortiz? I thought at that time when you had Sue and the band, that was the time to pull the trigger on the best friends. That was the hottest they've ever been. Now it just kind of feels like, hey, we need a baby face tag team to help send the best friends. And it kind of makes sense for their gimmick. You know what I mean? They're best friends and they kind of want to be your friends sometimes, unless you're Will or Utah and Trent, because Trent doesn't really like Will or Utah, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so that happened. It was fine. Nothing bad. Let's move on. Backstage, we're talking to the Hardy Boys, and we get the Young Bucks interrupting. And I told you guys this last week, I think I told you guys the week before that, I'm just not interested in the Hardy Boys and Young Bucks. I don't think they can top whatever they did in Ring of Honor. They're obviously older than when they did it the last time, and they're on the wrong side of their prime. Not to say that they're done. I'm not trying to say like, oh, throw them out into the ocean. We're done with these two tag teams. I just don't want to see these two tag teams mixing it up because I, what else can you do? You know what I mean? What are you going to do? I know you're going to have some crazy spot that we'll probably come on the podcast and talk about like, what the hell was Jeff Hardy jumping off of a yacht for? I don't know why I'm so uh, nautical tonight, but nonetheless. Um, But yeah, I just don't, I don't care about the Young Bucks and Hardys. It feels like something they really want to do. This is something cool for them. And that can be fine, right? Sometimes you do what you like and hopefully hopefully it translates to someone else, i.e. this podcast. But I think you just did it already. So, meh. Uh, so yeah, the Bucks interrupt the Hardys. They mur, 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 they have their talk, and you know, good radio there, right there. Mur, 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 but you get what I'm saying. They move on, obviously foreshadowing what happens in the main event or after the main event. Uh, as we get back into the ring, though, uh, before we get to a match, CM Punk makes his entrance, and he's going to be on commentary as the champion, Hangman Adam Page, takes on Takashi. I don't know if I said that name right. I feel like I nailed it, but if I didn't, let me know. Um, And this was fun. Hangman Adam Page, for as great of a champion as he is, and he is a great champion, it's cool to give people offense, right? It is cool to give people offense. Kenny Omega did this when he was champion, but I felt like this match was a little bit too razor thin for me. I wanted Hangman to really take out this guy. I know he's young and he's a next up and coming guy out of Japan and all this stuff. And he was in a tag team that beat a tag team that had Kenny Omega in it. And I give okay, cool. But, but this is AEW and the champions hangman Adam page who just won the title not too long ago over Kenny Omega. And he's going into a program with CM Punk. Let's make this motherfucker, you know, flex his muscles here. Get what I'm saying? Like I need to see this guy in it and this was a lot of offense from uh takashi here and again i probably didn't say that right but you know who i'm talking about um Engman gets the victory he gets the victory using a gts i like that because you remember cm punk used uh the buckshot lariat and it was good that was a cool part i like the staring them down if you're gonna give the the non-champion in this case more offense than usual Make it because 
Hangman can't keep his eyes off of CM Punk. Now, there were times where he looked over at CM Punk and CM Punk's like, you should be focusing in on me. But there was never anything where Adam Page is looking at CM Punk and then turns and gets hit in the face, right? You could do those kind of things. And I think that would have worked better for the offense of the uh, competitor here. But Hangman, I wish, would have looked a little stronger going into a pay-per-view against CM Punk. Now, afterwards, they do this weird you know, who's more popular thing. CM Punk puts his hands up, gets a good reaction, but a little mixed. Hangman puts his hands up or puts his title up and he gets a big reaction, but then it starts to become mixed. And then by the end of it, it sounds like more CM Punk fans than uh, Hangman fans. And you can see the doubt in Hangman's eyes. He he didn't like it. He storms off because they're circling each other. And then he hears the cheers and CM Punk points to his ears like, you hear this, you hear what I hear. And it ain't your name. It's my name, pal. And Hangman can't take this. And again, the story of Hangman Adam Page is confidence and self-doubt. So this is, again, going back to pre-champion Hangman when he was trying to figure out who he was. Are we going to see him fall again? I think it's a compelling story. I think Hangman Adam Page should be champion longer. If I had, you know, the pencil, as they say, I'm booking Hangman for the rest of the summer as my champion, and then maybe looking to do something in the fall with a a shakeup at the top. But if you are going to have a shakeup, I wouldn't necessarily hate CM Punk being the champion. Cause again, to the casual fan, he's one of the most popular, right? Jericho and him, you could argue are one and two, as far as casual fans, knowing who are on the roster. Um, So I don't hate if CM Punk wins that match uh, at the pay-per-view. But if he wins the match and we get more development of Hangman Adam Page, I'm 100% in. The the more interesting story is what I'm into more than who's the champion. I don't, again, these titles are are fun, but the stories is the best. You know what I mean? We we go back to a couple, uh, I think it's actually the last pay-per-view, you know, CM Punk and MJF was the match of the night and neither one was a champion. Get what I'm saying? So like if hangman loses and then we get some type of character arc or a next chapter for uh hangman and Adam page, then awesome. I love it. Let's, let's go off and run to the races with that because that can be interesting. Cause he already showed you what he could do going to the title, seeing his dissension into misery or whatever it is could also be very fascinating. Also having CM Punk as your champion can, you know, give you some more, give you some more of those fantasy matchups that you didn't necessarily know that you needed until you saw it. Right. Uh, you, you think of, you know, Keith Lee, CM Punk, that would be cool. Right. For the heavyweight championship, it would make sense. Keith Lee wants to be heavyweight champion. CM Punk's champion. Easy enough story. Right. Uh, so I think it's a win-win for whoever, comes out of that match uh, at double or nothing. But if we're doing CM Punk, I just don't want Hangman to get kind of pushed to the side and he goes away for two to three weeks and then just happens to have a match against Pac or, you know, Penta, for example. Uh, Let's do something if he's going to lose the title. So after that, uh, we get a video package, uh, Fuego del Sol and uh, the Dark Order challenge the House of Black. Cool. Again, I'm House of Black, their entrance. 
is captivating. It's intriguing. I'm interested every time they're just moving around, but then it's time to tell the story or then the bell rings and I'm kind of checking out a lot of sizzle, no steak. That's what I like to call it. Uh, and then, you know, dark orders. Great. I like them still. They're fun. Uh, and Fuego's Fuego. So not really too invested into this, but if you're going to put it on a rampage, there's worse things to do. Now, as we get back into the ring, we get Limitless Keith Lee and Shane Swerve Strickland taking on the work horsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake, friend of the show, J.D. Drake. Uh, again, check out the, the website. You can check out a past, ep- excuse me, a past episode where we interviewed J.D. Drake and get to know him a little bit more. I like this. Now, I'm an Evolve fan. Towards the end of Evolve, I became almost like a super fan and all four of these guys were kind of cutting their teeth in the promotion when I became, you know, the, the evolved super fan, because I knew people that were there and I wanted them to do well, but Keith Lee swerve, uh, JD Drake and Anthony Henry, I was familiar with from evolve. And so seeing them on AEW kind of just warmed my heart. I will say of the four though, and I know we all love Keith Lee, like, bask in his glory, all that. It's fine. But Swerve Strickland just has that it factor. I said it on our Twitter page. Uh, if you don't know, I live tweet during the show, and then we go right into this podcast right afterwards until Tim shows up. Um, so we'll see how long we do it. But uh, at Table Show on Twitter, I put on uh, uh, on the Twitter machine there, uh, Swerve Strickland has it. I don't know what it is. But that presence, charisma, presentation is just, yep, I'm in. I don't know what he's doing. I don't really know what he's all about, but I want to see him. I like him. I think he's cool. He's someone that I want to be friends with. When I see him walk out and he just has that aura of, of course you guys are here to see me. I kind of want to tell him, like, you're right. You're pretty fucking cool. Uh, so I really thought he stood out in this match just again, because of his presence. Uh, it's always great to see Anthony Henry and JD Drake get TV time. Like I said, all four of these guys I was fans of before. Um, I will also say the, uh, finisher from Keith Lee and swerve where it's like a foot stomp from like a cradled position that Keith Lee has the guy in that's money. That is cool. I, I popped for that one. I was very impressed with uh, that finishing maneuver from Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. So it looks like uh, as we move to the post-match, it's going to be a triple threat for the tag team match because it's going to be Team Taz, which is Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, taking on Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, taking on the champions, Jurassic Express. Thought that was cool. Also thought it was interesting how Christian just kind of pushing his weight around. And I understand he's the pseudo manager for Jurassic Express. But if you caught the expression from Jungle Boy, I think he was taken aback by Christian saying like, and the next week it's going to be a triple threat match. Uh, Jungle Boy, Ricky Starks and Swerve Strickland. How about that? And you see Jungle Boy kind of looking Okay, but did you did you clear this with me? That kind of seemed weird. So last week we saw a little flirtation of what 
potentially Christian could be, you know, turning heel on Jungle Boy. Uh, maybe this is another little wrinkle into getting us to that point. But I thought it was interesting how Christian just spoke for them and they just stood there and took it. Now, I get it. Luchasaurus isn't the promo guy. Even if Christian wasn't there for Jurassic Express, he does the blah and all the fun stuff. But Christian did all the talking and the champs just stood there, you know, looking pretty. So that was fascinating. That was interesting. Um, I'm also interested in the triple threat match at the, at the pay-per-view. This is going to be really good, especially if we can work in that finisher again from Swerve and Keith Lee, get a false finish or maybe even get the win. Uh, I think that'd be cool. I wouldn't hate it if it was Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee as your new tag team champions. You get Christian turning on Jurassic Express that costs them the titles. Team Taz is taken out because of, you know, just big moves that take to take them to the outside. And then Swerve Strickland gets the pin on Jungle Boy. Would love it. I would love it. So I uh, wouldn't hate any team, honestly, winning the championship or retaining the championship in this match. Because I also like Team Taz. Powerhouse Hobbs is just fucking cool. I still think, and I'll say it until I'm blue in the face, uh, Ricky Starks is great, but Ricky Starks is miscast. Ricky Starks needs to be in the mid of the year, and then you take Scorpio Sky out of mid of the year, and you put him in Team Taz, and then you got the perfect marriage of who needs to be where. Scorpio Sky, as a standalone act, is more Team Taz than he is mid of the year, and obviously Ricky Starks, dressing in designer clothes and necklaces and chokers and, you know, manicured eyebrows and all the stuff that is not, not team Taz. Team Taz is gritty and gutter and fighting and biting and scratching kind of like Eddie Kingston, a little Eddie Kingston is, you know, one and the same of team Taz, that same vibe. My dog Josephine agrees with me. 100%. Imagine you probably heard her there. All right, so then as we jump back into AW Dynamite, we get Chris Statlander and Red Velvet doing an interview backstage. As you recall, they used to be friends, and now they ain't because Red Velvet is a baddie. Uh, 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 uh. Isn't that fun when we just go like, things change. Now, I like that they addressed it. Usually what you see in pro wrestling, a pro wrestling trope is just, I'm, I'm, a heel now well i'm a baby face well then that means we don't like each other like what what the hell happened they at least address the elephant in the room of like hey i'm a different person you're a different person let's just accept it and move on they're gonna meet uh in this owen hart uh tournament match so that should be good i think it's gonna take place on rampage i think that's what they said so again good match there's there's worse things you could do Uh, I think these two will have a really good match. I think, honestly, Red Velvet is starting to really find her voice, find her presence as a heel. She seems more comfortable being this baddie with Jade Cargill. Uh, So I like it. She's she's more interesting in this role than she was in previous roles. And Jade Cargill, again, is money. More Jade Cargill. If there's one request I could give AEW going into double or nothing, it would be more television time for your champion hangman, Adam page and your TBS champion, Jade Cargill. Those two get two of the loudest reactions 
of anyone on the babyface side. Oh, not Jade Cargill, but Jade Cargill gets everyone to stand and look and talk and tweet. You know what I mean? And so more TV time for Jade Cargill to get her to a place that I think that you're wanting to get her to more of that top tier women's talent. And then hangman, I think is probably the most over baby face you got in the company outside of maybe Eddie Kingston. It's like one, a one B. And then again, you can throw in CM Punk and all the others, but like just organic. Fuck. Yeah. That guy's my guy. Hangman and Eddie Kingston, at least for me, those are one A, one B. So again, that would be my one request. Nonetheless, we had the we had the backstage interview. Jade Cargill gets her. Tony, cut the shit. You love it. Hogan must pose. Jade must cut down Tony. You love to see it. Then we get back in the ring, but we don't get in the ring because MJF is going to whip Wardlow 10 times. One of the conditions as Wardlow wants to get his match with MJF. And these, again, I don't know how you can gimmick a belt. I don't think you can. So I think the the person that gets whipped has to actually, you know, eat it. And Wardlow no-sold this better than I can ever recall anyone doing a no-sell on purpose in recent memory. You know, later on in the show and obviously in past weeks, Sting and the no sell of the chair shots in the back. I mean, chair shots also really fucking suck. Um, but Wardlow here was just laughing at what MJF was doing because it wasn't just one, right? You could understand a guy of Wardlow's stature of the 10 you know, lashes that he took the first one, he's going to let, you know, nothing hurts. Right. But when MJF does like whip four, five, six, and seven, and you're starting to see the welts on Wardlow's back and he is legitimately giggling. I mean, that was outstanding. I was so, I was honestly, I forgot about the damn, story for a second and i was just interested to see like are we going to be able to break wardlow with these whips because that shit hurts look i grew up in the you know late 80s early 90s i got whipped with the belt as a kid i knew i know how much that sucks it's not good it really hurts again i was a kid but i still think it would hurt today i'm 36 and i don't want to get whipped and here's wardlow you know getting the award for best getting off the bus and he's taking this fucking whip to the back like a champ. I was utterly impressed, utterly impressed with that. Now MJF being the smart dastardly heel that he is uh, before, I think it was after whip 10 uh, gets a good old, you know, Kansas city cunt punt to Wardlow's dick Wardlow falls down and then we hit him. Uh, with the dynamite diamond ring, which knocks him out. And we, MJF, you know, standing tall. One side note, real quick. I don't know if he's doing it on purpose to then make people hate him more. But the spray tan that MJF gets is always absolute dog shit. It is some of the worst stuff I've ever seen on television. His hands looks like 
he he put him in a Cheetos maker and then whipped him out and then decided I don't need to to wipe this off. Like I'm just going to stick my hand and process cheese uh, and then take him out and go to the ring because he is not tan in certain areas. Sometimes his bicep is very pale, but then his hands look like a different race. And so it's, I don't know who's telling him like, this is cool. Again, it may be something that just gets under your skin and that's what his intention is, but he dresses like a million dollars. His style game, I'll give him props, but his tan spray tan game is repulsive. Absolutely repulsive. So uh, that's my two cents on that. Um, Let's see what we have here. Uh, back from commercial, uh, Rapungi Vice say they're back and they want to take on FTR for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. Love it, right? FTR is doing great. That seems like a good thing for me. I'm excited for Ring of Honor to honestly get their own television show because AEW has such limited time and no offense, but until Ring of Honor gets their TV time, We've got a million and five titles being talked about on a show where if you're a casual fan, it's hard to keep your head straight, right? Because we got the Jurassic Express that walked out with tag team championships. But then we got Rapungi Vice talking about FTR's Ring of Honor tag team championships. They even mentioned, I think, New Japan's tag team championships. And then you got the TBS and then you got the TNT and then you got... uh, you know, this Owen Hart Foundation tournament, which is that a title? Is that a, what is that? You know, like if you're a casual fan, it's hard to keep track of like the pecking order. I think you could obviously take, take account like the men and women's singles championships are the most important. But then after that, is the Ring of Honor television champion more important than the AEW TNT champion? Who knows? Because I'm seeing more Samoa Joe than I am Scorpio Sky. But this is an AEW show. So, look, it's all fun and games, and I like it, and it's cool. And, again, this is a wacky world of pro wrestling. Um, But Tony Khan, if you can pull some strings and get some TV time just for Ring of Honor, I would love it as an AEW fan. Just going to say that. Uh, Then, again, we get to – Get to back to our Owen Hart Foundation tournament first round match. Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Ray Phoenix. Good match. I like the, the mix up of styles, that ground based, uh, you know, European style of Kyle O'Reilly, the Lucha Libre style of Ray Phoenix. Just a marriage of just conflicting ideas on how a wrestling match goes. It was great. Everything happened that should have happened. Kyle O'Reilly got the win, I thought was interesting. So he'll move on. Uh, foreshadowing. Adam Cole would move on in the main event. Do we potentially get Kyle Riley versus uh, Adam Cole in the final at double or nothing? Ooh, that might be fun, but we'll see. Um, what else happened here? Let's take a look. This is good radio and podcasting because I'm talking. Yes, here it is. Got back to my notes. Uh, After the break, again, Kyle O'Reilly beats Ray Phoenix. We get 
the Blackpool Combat Club making their way to the ring with Eddie Kingston and Santana and Ortiz. And then we get Jericho and them coming out. And Jericho cutting a promo that cut deep. Deep. This was some, ooh, I'll fight you on a drop of a hat kind of stuff he was saying. Making fun of Regal's addiction problems, John Moxley's recent um, stint in uh, rehab, uh, talking about Brian Danielson just being a square, Santana and Ortiz never getting over if it wasn't for him. Those kind of those last two things weren't the worst thing. Talking about Eddie Kingston being lazy, then trying to stir the shit between Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston. Thought it was all fun and fun. I thought it was great. Uh, I did like the little game that they played where it was like, we're going to do a stadium. And nope, John Moxley's, we don't do that stuff. That had its time in the sun. Uh, that time has passed. We're going to fight you. And he kept on calling this match 10 different things. I think what we're getting is blood and guts. I think we're going to get blood and guts at double or nothing. I could be wrong there, um, but he was calling it, you know, anarchy and, and whatever and pro wrestling versus sports entertaining, all that stuff. I think we're getting blood and guts five on five match. I like that. I'm a fan. I like, again, we haven't given this tag team a new name since we got rid of 2.0. So until we do, I'm just going to call them 2.0. I like 2.0. I like Daniel Garcia. Jericho's fine. He's he does really good promo. This was a very entertaining promo. Jake Hager again is the biggest waste of space in AEW in my opinion. I don't know anything about Jake Hager, but every time I see him, I don't. I don't want to see him. Um, and then on the other side, you get Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz. And Eddie Kingston of everyone was still getting chance all the time. Eddie Kingston is the most beloved wrestler on AEW's roster. I was telling you about how the reactions, Hangman and Eddie Kingston, you know, 1A, 1B. I think Hangman has the absolute best stories. Like the story arc and development of a character is not done by anyone better than Hangman. But as far as just, hey, we need time to fill, someone needs to be cheered, Eddie Kingston is that guy. He's the guy that everyone is is going to react to again he can do the uh heel stuff and if you recall the john moxley eddie kingston go back and watch those promos where john moxley was talking about how he promised eddie kingston's mother that he would watch over him and stuff eddie kingston as a heel can also be sympathetic uh but a dastardly asshole right and now obviously as a baby face he is just i mean there's a reason why CM Punk and Eddie Kingston are still not feuding. It's because we still want to cheer CM Punk and he wasn't getting on the cheers when he was at, with Eddie Kingston. And uh, I don't know about you. I'll just make the statement for Tim and I, uh, but Spanish announce table is team Eddie Kingston. CM Punk, you're fine. You're cool. Mm, great. Thumbs up. Uh, but in this war online that you kind of see where CM Punk saying, I'll fight anyone but Eddie Kingston. And then Eddie Kingston's saying, uh, you know, I like everyone in the locker room, but CM Punk. Like if those are the two teams that I got to choose, I'm always going to team Eddie Kingston right there. Eddie Kingston's the guy. Um, and then again, in this segment, he was getting the loudest cheers. The interesting thing here was we get 
you know, Eddie Kingston saying, okay, all this talk is fine. Let's fight. I want to fight. I want to fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. And of course, Jericho's like, you want to fight? Ha ha. You're not going to fight you. So they walk off. But then Eddie's like, fine, then we'll go after you. And Brian Danielson's like, no, we don't need to do that. And this is again, where the infighting happened. So Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston pushing each other saying, Hey, what the hell? You know, screw you, screw you. And Eddie Kingston immediately making eye contact with John Moxley and saying like, get your boy. This guy is messing up what I'm trying to do, and I don't like it. And there is an interesting dynamic because friends, Eddie Kingston and John Moxley are, you know, peanut butter and jelly. Alliances, John Moxley's more with Brian Danielson than Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston's alliance maybe more with Santana Ortiz than John Moxley. So we've got all of these kind of interconnected, weird, do I like him more than I like person B? Uh, do I hate him more than I hate person C? You know, all that kind of stuff. Interesting. Interesting. I like it. The subtleties already between the Blackpool Combat Club, Eddie Kingston, Santana Ortiz is interesting to me. And if you caught on commentary, uh Tony, uh Tony Schiavone was like, hey, well, maybe no one likes the Blackpool Combat Club. Maybe not. Also, just dawned on me. Um, where was Willie or Utah? Are we just not using him right now? I get it. It would make the match six on five advantage baby faces, and you can't really do a a good back and forth um, storytelling when baby faces always have the advantage. Cause it's just like, and then evil was stomped out, right? Like that's not interesting one step and then they're done. Um, but yeah, no mention of Willie or Utah. I know he's over in Japan. I think he's in a tournament thing. He's also a ring of honor champion. Again, this is where you got to keep your wire straight. Cause it's uh Am I saying that he's better here than he is there? But is he the best here? No, he's mid tier there. Like, let's get our let's get our eggs in one basket. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, that was interesting. Where was Willie Utah, and why wasn't he mentioned? Why wasn't it mentioned? Maybe I missed it. You know, things go go over my head pretty quick because I'm not the smartest man in the world. But uh, Utah, where you at? All right, then we move on to the second Joker of the night because we go over to the women's side of the Owen Hart uh, tournament match. And it's Dr. Britt Baker taking on the Joker, who turns out to be Maki Ito. Yay. Again, the the bar is set so high from AEW from getting top-level talent to come in, at least for like even one-offs, that you never know who's going to be. And when it's Makito, she's fine. And for some hardcores, I get it. You guys love her. I still don't get it. I don't understand the American Idol, Dance Dance Revolution, whatever it is, middle finger. But I, I don't know. It's it's not my cup of tea. I, I don't get it. But again, pro wrestling's big enough to where you can like that. And I don't have to. Right. Um, so, yeah, this didn't really hit home with me, but it wasn't bad. Uh, I like the kind of, uh, hey, we're friends. So just lay down. And then Maki Ito's like, ah, I'm going to try to beat you. And then Britt Baker's like, OK, well, then you're going to get this ass whooping. Uh, and that's what happens. Britt Baker whips her ass, wins by lockjaw, and she moves on to take on Tony Storm. 
that'll be fun. Tony Storm walks out, by the way, if you caught this. Tony Storm walks out just to do the, like, me and you, pal. And uh, I don't know if Britt Baker knew she was on TV, but she's, like, dancing to Tony Storm's music mockingly and then gives her the DX crotch chop. Thought that was funny. That was low-key probably my favorite moment of the the episode just because it seemed, like, so genuine of, like, you suck. I don't like you. I'm better than you. And Britt Baker does that better than really anyone. All right. So what do we get next here? Oh, a little bit of a misfire. A little bit of a misfire. We get Tony Schiavone walking out. And he's in the ring. And he's talking. And before he can really even get to what he's saying, Serena Deeb comes out. And look, the professor of professional wrestling is a cool gimmick. Her coming in like a bulldozer, just running through uh, the women's division is awesome. I don't know if promos is her thing. She seemed a little overwhelmed. She seemed a little out of her element. And you could tell, at least for me, I, I just long form promos from Serena Deeb is not her strength. Also, Thunder Rosa is awesome. I have a Thunder Rosa sticker on my water bottle. Uh, I like her music. I love her matches. I don't know if she does the best at acting, right? When we need her to accidentally bump Dustin Rhodes in the head and then kind of wait there for a shot to the head from the title that Serena Deeb has in her hands. Like it was just clunky. And then Dustin Rhodes, I didn't, it, it, Mmm, not good. Not good. You know, when Britt Baker got her championship, her first title feud was, again, Nyla Rose, because, you know, you must do that to be the champion. Um, It wasn't good, but I thought it wasn't good not because of Britt Baker. It was not good because it felt like we were obviously wanting to cheer Britt Baker, and they were like, nope, you are going to boo. And then that just is kind of off-putting to me, right? This though, the heel is the heel and the baby face is the baby face. I just don't think we're playing to their strengths. I think if you do a collision course going to double or nothing, where it's almost like anything you can do, I can do better. You can, you know, beat Tay Conti in three minutes. Well, I can beat Anna Jay in a minute and a half, right? And then we're just doing this like unstoppable force, immovable object going to the pay-per-view. That is a better story that plays to their strengths instead of long form promo. When I want the women's division to be the best, and I don't want the women's division to be uh, the best if I'm not on top. And Dustin Rhodes is here, and why did he paint half his face if he didn't have a match? That's you know, ah, yuck, not good. Didn't like it. Uh, hey, we got some chat here. Oh, hey, look at this. Tim says, I miss Tim. That's weird. Uh, and Theo says, yeah, where is Tim? Anyway, like I said, it's his birthday. Uh, birthday week. So he's celebrating. Let him celebrate. You know, it's a podcast here. We're not doing open heart surgery. It's fine. Um, Tim says, Tim better be back next week or I'm never watching again. Well, you would be the one, pal, because, you know, we're trying here. Tell a friend if you're watching this because... Uh, we love to talk to you, uh, but we ain't talking to too many. 
I mean, we're doing pretty good, but you get what I'm saying. We could always do better. Um, Theo says, yeah, we want Tim back. Okay, I get it, right, Tim? Tim, then come, bud, right here. I got it. We can let you in. I can let you in anytime. Um, Theo says, when will Bret Hart show up on the table show and complain why he is better than Shawn Michaels? Yeah, I don't know. I won't do it. My throat kind of hurts. I've been talking a lot by myself here. Uh, And then Theo saying, this podcast is awesome. Thanks, Theo. That's really nice. That makes me feel good. There's a thumbs up for you for watching. Um, I hope you do enjoy this because, again, I don't want to be influenced by other people's opinions. I'm just giving you kind of stream of consciousness of what I thought of AEW Dynamites. If you like it, let me know. If you don't, you know, I can take a day to gather my thoughts and we can go back to a Thursday night. I think we're going to go back to a Thursday night when Tim comes back from his vacation. Uh, But for now, I think I think this is more fun for me, at least. Um, All right. So now let's get into the main event. Adam Cole versus Jeff Hardy. This was good. Again, the Young Bucks and their army will tell you they are the greatest thing in pro wrestling since rope. (laughs) Right? Since the rope on a wrestling ring, there's been nothing greater than the Young Bucks. And okay, they have been fine from time to time. I have actually enjoyed some of the stuff they've done in AEW. The spike on the uh, Jordans, on the Dior ones, I thought was cool. The little uh, uh, hating of Sneaker Nation, getting them riled up was was funny, trolling them. Uh, some of their stories have been good. But it feels like right now, the elite are kind of being unchecked. And I get it because they're executive by vice president, so they can. But like it's it's just them hanging out with themselves. And I'm kind of tired of that, especially from the Young Bucks. And I'm not meaning to point out the Young Bucks, but I am because <laughs> like Adam Cole worked with Orange Cassidy. Adam Cole worked with Jungle Boy. Those are two talents that I had never seen Adam Cole wrestle. So far in AEW, outside of FTR, it feels like the Young Bucks have w- worked with all of their friends. I get it. They, you know, when it started, they worked with Private Party. Uh, they worked with um, the Lucha Bros. But like, at least for the Lucha Bros, I've seen that before. And then after that, they kind of did that little run with FTR. Then it was just them, you know, fighting amongst themselves, hanging out with this. Kenny Omega hangman storyline. And now we're getting uh red wagon. And I think we've seen that before too. So it's like, Hey, and I think I may have said this last week. And if I did, I apologize, but I'll say it again. Like if you're the best tag team in the world, young bucks, go work with the acclaimed like a program, not a match, not a, we can do 20 minutes and make you think that the claim are going to win. Okay. But like, Tell a story with someone who isn't your friend that we know is your friend, like breaking kayfabe. Tell me a story of the Young Bucks and the Blackpool Combat Club. I know you've wrestled Eddie Kingston and John Moxley before, but that was kind of a rushed, honestly, kind of last second type of uh, match for a pay-per-view. Like, tell me an interesting story. If you are the best tag team to ever lace up wrestling boots, stop working with your friends and try some new things. 
That's what I would challenge you to do. So anyhow, uh, we got Adam Cole. I don't know why I really went on that tangent here, but uh, we got Adam Cole, Jeff Hardy. Adam Cole wins, wins clean, I thought. That was interesting. Um, and then post-match, uh, the Hardys beat up, um, or the Hardys get beat up by um, the Young Bucks. Then Darby and Sting come out. Uh, the numbers game because then Red Wagon comes out and they take out them. And then the elite breaks Sting's leg. What? Now, again, that could be interesting. Young Bucks versus the emo father-son of Sting and Darby Allen. I would be more interested in that than the Hardys, to be honest with you. Um, but that's how we end the show. Sting's leg looks like it gets broken. Fade to black. So I thought it was a good episode. I thought the Jokers missed their mark, as I mentioned. Uh, and that wasn't their fault. I think it's just the bar is set so high that if you're not hitting a home run, even though you hit a double, it doesn't feel that cool, right? When, you know, a current sports analogy, Aaron Judge in uh, baseball walks up. You want to see a you want to see him hit a, hit a home run. So when he gets up to bat and he smashes a ball and it goes off the wall and he gets a double, eh, you want to hit a home run. And so that's what I kind of thought with the Jokers. Not bad. They did fine. Johnny, lots of names. Fit the part. Maki Ito did her shit and got out. Um, main event was fine we we advanced the owen hart foundation tournament matches so that was good i thought the segment of the night wasn't a match i thought it was the blackpool combat club and jericho appreciation society uh that promo from jericho really uh made me do a double take at what he was saying uh, and then i thought the moment of the night was again the no sell from wardlow taking those you know, lashes or whips, whatever you want to call them, to the back and just acting as if he didn't know he was being hit, even though we obviously saw the marks all up and down his back. That was incredible. Uh, so, yeah, that was AEW Dynamite. Um, let's see, real quick, before we get out of here, let's check out some tweak the tables here. Um, let's see, what do we got here? Uh Let's see. Hashtag tweet the table. Oh, we got Devil Vamp writing us a couple times. That's always great. Thank you so much, Devil Vamp. Uh, he says, all right, I might not overly like at CM Punk, but I fucking love the shirt. Awesome. Hashtag abortion rights are human rights. Hashtag AEW Dynamite. Hashtag tweet the table. Without going on, you know, a personal rant, and making this not a pro wrestling show, I will say I agree. Thought it was a personal, interesting stance CM Punk took on a nationally televised show for a company he doesn't own, right? That can get you hot water wearing stuff like that when sponsors may not agree with you, you know? Um, so credit to him. Uh and I liked it. thought it was interesting. I think there's a lot of culture wars uh, starting to seep into AEW. You know, culture wars online. Because, again, online isn't real. Even though I am real and I am online, uh, I'm putting on a facade for you. I'm not always this awesome. 
fun fact for you. Um, but nonetheless, I like saying that word. I don't, I hope you do too. I listen to a podcast and he always says arrived. And then I arrived at the moment and then the measurements and I'm like, fucking say new words. But then I find myself saying nonetheless. So I'm sorry, but I'll work on it. Um, anyhow, what was I saying? Oh, it was interesting. And it was uh, a, a credit to CM Punk for taking a stance on something he truly believes in. Good for you. Um, and that's why I like AEW because it seems like those culture wars uh, that you see seep into the company and they're not afraid to kind of make their stance known. So interesting, right? Very interesting. Especially, again, if you want to go down that rabbit hole just a little bit, CM Punk wearing that shirt would tell you he's not agreeing with maybe the Republican uh, party and their stance on abortion. But then you dig a little bit deeper and you see Tony Khan's father and who he donated to the last election wasn't a Democrat. So that might be interesting, right? Breaking kayfabe, trying to peek behind the curtain, seeing how that conversation went over. That would be interesting. How about Sean Ross Sapp report on that shit instead of giving us the fucking spoilers of who's going to debut next week? Jerk off. And I saw him too, by the way, quick rant, quick sidebar before I get out of here. Cause I gotta be mad about something. You guys know this. Um, When people are like, Hey, stop ruining surprises. And then he says, well, I got to pay my rent. If people are actively telling you stop doing something and you're saying, well, that's how I do it. Like be better, be better. That's what I would challenge you to sean ross sap um but i won't go too much into that i just i just don't get it i don't get how people think it's cool or interesting to ruin stories for other people it's just silly uh but that's my that's my cross to bear you you find out what you don't like and you talk about that um but hey thank you guys so much again looks like tim might be back next week fingers crossed um so it'll be good to talk to him. You'll get all the the uh, bells and whistles too, right? You'll get the fun background again. Uh, you know, you'll get some good stuff when Tim comes in because he knows how to put on a good show and he gives you hot takes too. So going to be excited to hear from him because I haven't talked to him in a long time, at least on this platform. Haven't heard from him in a while. So excited to hear from him. Uh, but again, until next time, check out SpanishNounceTable.net. If you like what you're seeing, donate a dollar, check out past episodes, Check us out on Twitter at Table Show. Uh, I live tweet during uh, Rampage and Dynamite and obviously during pay-per-views for AEW, sometimes pay-per-views for WWE if I want to. Um, so talk to us on there. Uh, if you have a question, use hashtag Tweet the Table or a comment. You can also use hashtag Tweet the Table. I'll read them here, give you a response. Uh, and if you have a long form answer or a long form question, I should say, I will give you the answer. That's what I meant to say. I'm a professional. Uh, tableshow at gmail.com. We'll read emails too. We haven't got an email uh, since black and white television, but you know, send it to us and we'll read it. Uh, excited to hear from you. So until next time, I am Tom, hopefully next week with Tim. And I'll see you later. Bye-bye.